everybody and welcome back to the Russian and Ranting podcast. This is episode three. My name is Joseph McCormack and I'm delighted once again to be joined by Scott Stapley, Ollie Mortimer and Alex Raspin. Guys, how are we? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, certainly missing the football at the moment because of the lockdown, but yeah, definitely looking forward to our upcoming podcast. Yeah, I'm very well as well. Thank you, Joseph. Yeah, looking forward to this, uh, this, uh, this podcast. Should be a really good one. All good, Joe. Hope you're all well, chaps. Yeah, and as you guys alluded to, we've got a very special uh, podcast today because it's our first interview, if you like. Tom Lorraine is joining us, AFC RD's all-time leading scorer. Are we looking forward to this one? Yeah, definitely. I mean, given how long Tom's been at the club, he's, I mean, I think he's actually our second longest serving player as well. So there's definitely a lot, to, a lot of ground to cover over the next hour or so. I'm hoping we can keep it interesting and ask him some questions that he kind of doesn't get asked very regularly and see if we can get some interesting answers from him. I mean, he's, he's achieved so much in less than six years at the club. 98 goals, two promotions, four trophies, two playoff campaigns, a player of the season award. Um, you know, they're just some of the um, you know highlights of his Diamonds career. So it'd be great to ask him some questions um, around that and to get his thoughts. Awesome. Well, here it is. It's Tom Lorraine on the Russian and Ranton podcast. And this really sparked the Diamonds into some really attacking play. It's certainly the best play of the game. Lorraine after a neat um, shot from distance and the ball just crept into the back of the net past Malays to double the Diamonds lead in the 51st minute. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. It's great to have you on. Do, do you ever listen to podcasts in your spare time? I do. Um, yeah, I do a little bit. Listen to like sort of Peter Crouch ones and that sort of thing. Um more of a radio kind of man, if I'm honest. So let's take things back to the, to the very start, uh, to your childhood. Um, have you always been into football since you were a kid? Yeah, I sort of started playing when I was probably about four or five. Um, really because my friends did, you know, like my, a lot of people, their dad will be into it or whatever, but my dad's really not. Um, you know, just played with my mates, at, at, you know, when I started school and that and uh, just sort of carried on from there, really. Yeah. And what was it that made you think, you know, I, I quite like this, I want to have a playing career? Um, I, I, do you know, I don't know if I ever really had that. Like, um, you know, a lot of the lads will have been with, you know, academies when they were younger and stuff like that. I never had that. I just played with my friends, really. And um, mm. until we got to about 18 and lads started going off to university and stuff like that. And um, obviously I always did, always did, you know, always did OK with it. And... Um, and then uh, just sort of got picked up by um, Daventry, just like some friends um, that I knew that I played with sort of recommended me to there and then sort of went from there, really. It was never really something that I thought, oh, I'll try and do this. Like, you know, a lot of lads would have done. Just because I enjoyed it, really, and just carried on. And that's, that sort of gives me my outlook now. Like, you know, I just, just enjoy playing, I suppose. Did you model your game off of um, players that perhaps you grew up what you grew up watching, or was it more of a case of you know just being yourself and, and being Tom Lorraine? Yeah, just just doing my thing. I mean, I was a lot smaller when I was younger, to be honest. I didn't start getting, I didn't sort of, I think I was behind everybody else in, you know, like when you become an adult and you fill out a bit and and stuff like that. I was quite small and I was quite sort of thin and and weak really until I don't know maybe twenty or something. Um, and then you do, 
because obviously I'm I'm a bit bigger than than some other lads that I play with. You do get sort of I don't know if you get stereotyped, but people will think you can do a certain thing. Do you know what I mean? And then um, you sort of change your game based on what people are asking you to do, and then you sort of find or I did anyway. I sort of found my own way then about what what I like what I like to do and what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at, and then you know try and stick try and keep those things out. Um, but no, I never really modelled it on on anybody in particular. Just 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 what you know, managers and coaches and stuff wanted me to do, really. Did you play quite a few different positions when you were growing up, Tom, or did you always know you wanted to be a striker from day one? I was, um, when I was a kid, I was a midfielder, generally. Um, I was, you know, when I was just playing with my friends and that, I was, I was, I was one of the better players in the team. Um, so I think those kind of players, they, you know, they're put in the middle of the pitch, really, don't they, when you're a kid, so that you're involved in a lot of stuff. Um wasn't until I was about probably 16, something like that, that I played up front for, for a little I don't really know how that came about, to be honest. Just a natural change, I suppose. And then I never really looked back from there. Did okay in that position and then sort of went on from there, really. Was there a certain team that you supported when you were growing up? Yeah, I'm a um, Birmingham City fan. For my sins. Not many people say that. Um <laughs> yeah, I used to have a season ticket when um, when I was a kid. Um, went with a friend of mine who, who lives in our village, and it, you know his whole family were Birmingham fans. So I kind of like got pulled in by them, really, I suppose. And um, had a season ticket for about three or four years, I guess. We were in the Premier League then, though, so you know it was playing against your Man United and Liverpool's and Arsenal's and stuff like that. It was great to watch. Um, and then I got to sort of sixteen, seventeen, and I started playing adult football, which was obviously on a Saturday. So then I, um, you know, had to sort of lose the season ticket because I couldn't go to enough games. And to be fair, I wish I wish I could have gone to more, to be honest. But um, especially being in the championship, they are predominantly three o'clock on a Saturday, and uh, you don't really get the chance to go to many. And there's not <laughs> not many on the TV for a Birmingham fan either. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, yeah, I used to love going. Actually, I really I really did love going. Um, that's probably the the one thing that I miss most about sort of playing is I don't get to watch live as much as I'd like to as my team not playing Champions League or something like that on a Wednesday you know that you could go and watch or get a ticket for um but yeah that's inevitable maybe when I finish I'll go back to to going to going to watch a little bit more is that the shirt on the on the wall behind you as well is that a Birmingham City shirt Gary McSheffrey no, no that well he did play for Birmingham actually but that is um that is when I played in the FA Cup for Daventry against Chesterfield. Uh, he played against us, so I've got my shirt and um, got his shirt at the end of the game, both framed on the wall as a little memento. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Just talking about your time at Daventry, and can you give us a bit of a rundown and background of the teams that you played for um, before, you joined, before you joined Diamond? Yeah, so I, I started adult football. At, um, it was actually Daventry United then. Um, the two, Daventry Town and Daventry United, were separate and then they merged a few years later. Um, so I did well for them and then um, I moved to Banbury, which is obviously just still local around me. I was there for a, a year. Um, I was then at um, Bedworth uh, for a year as well. Then came back to Daventry, which they'd merged then, so it was Daventry Town. Um, and that was the year that we had the, the good FA Cup run. Um, 
had just under a year then. And then I moved to Diamonds just, I think it was about February or March of that particular year, which would have been, how long have I been there now? About seven or eight years, so about seven or eight years ago. Um, so I spent the best part of the season at Daventry and then obviously moved to Rushton and been there since. Was there anything that you learned from your, your time at the clubs before Diamonds that has helped you? time with Rushton and that's helped your career along its path yeah well yeah I mean I'll pick up stuff from from everybody going right back to when I just played for my local village which is um I live in a, a village called Woodford Hulse and, and Woodford United were like Southern League Division One back then um and I was just playing in the reserves and there's there's a couple of guys that that are local here that um, you know, I'm obviously friends with now. I was a bit younger then, but they sort of taught me, to be fair, quite a lot of, you know, stepping into adult football from like under 18s. They kind of taught me a lot about how to do it. They're a little bit more local um, in terms of their football experience and sort of knew how to, you know, the, the, the harder side of it, if you like, that it was maybe 20 years ago at local football. So it sort of taught me, taught me quite a lot of that side. And then I think all coaches and managers that, that you you sort of play under, you pick a little bit up from um, and and different traits and stuff like that. Different clubs have obviously different ways that they do things. Um, but yeah, I try, try to, I try to be as much of a sponge as I can, if you like, for, for different people and try and pick up, pick up different, um, different qualities as I'm going through really and, and different bits that different coaches have got to offer, different ways that they do things, different ways that they play and, and just try and try and pick up as much as I can in that respect. I wouldn't say anybody's been in particularly, not before Rushton anyway. Everybody sort of was was relatively um, relatively straight straightforward, and I picked up as much as I could when I came to Rushton. I think Paul Lamb was 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 massive for for helping me develop as well. Um, but I'm sure we'll come on to more stuff about Rushton later on. I'm sure. When were you um, first made aware of Diamond's interest and did you know much about the club and what was your initial feeling about joining? Well, um, it came about because um, Aaron Parkinson, who who used to used to play for Rushton and then he went on to help Peaksy when he first started, he's a friend of mine. He lives in the same village. He lives just around the corner. So um, I think um, I think Peaksy just, just, had just got the job the week before I joined and, and Parky sort of helped him, was going to be his number two. He was for about six months or so, wasn't he? I think if I remember rightly. And um, obviously he's a friend and he just said, you know, would I be interested in coming over? Um, at the time I was sort of in and out of the Daventry team as well. I'd been been injured a bit as well. Um, so it suited me really well. And I, I, I didn't know loads about it, I'll be honest, but obviously I picked up quite a lot from Aaron, from conversations and stuff. I knew the the size of the club and a little bit about the history and what had happened. Um, so it's obviously something I jumped at the chance of joining. Um, never did I think that it would have, you know, I would have stayed as long as I have done and, and things would have sort of moved in, in that direction. But I remember Aaron saying to me when I first started that, you know, Russian's a club that's going forward. And if you're, if you're in and you're playing and you're doing well, you can certainly step up through the levels with it, which is, well, exactly what happened in the end. 
Tom, you joined the club not, kind of not long after we reformed as a men's team. It was it was less than two years, I think. Had you considered joining the club from the beginning as a kind of a local non-league player? What was the kind of the thought process? Presumably, as you just said, you were aware of it. Um, but had you given it any consideration at the start or was it a case of wait and see how it developed, wait to see what kind of club it became? Well, to be honest, I, I was I was aware of it, but the, nev- the opportunity had never arisen for me to, to join um, beforehand. Obviously, I knew about it and I knew that, that Aaron was there um, and what was going on. Um, I think I probably would have been playing at Banbury before when Rushton first started, so they were in the same level as we're in now. So if I was to have gone from the start, it would have been quite a drop, drop down for me at the time. Um, but obviously then went up into the UCL and um, the opportunity presented itself. But I knew what was, I knew what the club was about and I knew um, not everything about the history, but obviously about the the, the past club and then the, the Phoenix club, as, as you, however you word it. Um, but, had the opportunity of been there, I'd have certainly thought about it. But I, di- I didn't. I didn't know anybody who was involved in the setup or anything like that at the time that it formed. So the opportunity never really arose beforehand. When it did, obviously, I, I, I jumped at the chance to be involved. Yeah. I was just going to say, Tom. Um, one thing when you first joined the club, initially, it's sort of like seeing Peaks had used you initially just sparingly, and eventually had Russ Donkey as his sort of first choice. But when um, Russ got injured. Um, it seemed like you struck up a very good partnership with Jason Turner at the time, and that seemed to be sort of like your breakthrough moment um, at the club, just to get into that first team. Yeah, I think um, obviously Dunks Russell had, had, had been a fantastic footballer at, at this level, and he? he was sort of tried and tested, and he'd been at, at Rushton for well a year or so, or whatever, and was and was sort of settled in the side, and he, he was, you know, he, he was a he was a great player. He scored lots of goals and obviously had that physical side as well to to sort of give his input to the team. So I knew that I wasn't going to come along and just step straight in, if you like, and and um, and just move him out. I didn't I didn't think that for a second. But certainly as a striker, you do get the more, the opportunity more. The, the the strikers change more. Certainly in games, you'll come on as substitutes more so than a defender might do, for example. So I knew that the opportunities would always be there, and I've always got the confidence in myself to to be able to do my job, you know, when I do get that opportunity. And playing with um with Jason was was he, he's a he was a fantastic player. And I think we 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 played quite well together because we 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 were quite different players. Um but but sort of mirrored each other quite well. You know, the partnership was quite yeah. good to one can do one job, one can do another, you know. So um, you know, obviously that went in my favour as well because I got to play with somebody that I got along well with and and got along well with with him off the pitch as well, which I think helps the the relationship on it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, when as soon as you get the opportunity, you just got to, you just got to do everything you can, haven't you? And just try and play your game and not put too much pressure on yourself. And I did that, and um, and I obviously did quite well because that's the most to stay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Tony, you obviously certainly hit the ground running early in your Diamonds career. You got an assist in your first game at Harbour Town and then you scored on your um, home debut against the eventual champion Spalding um, in that season of the UCL Premier. It must have been a nice feeling to, to hit the ground running straight away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's It's quite a big... I've not personally had it before, but I've, I've seen guys when they've come into to clubs. I mean, we've had it in, in, in our club before, haven't we? 
where people have come in and, and the expectation might be there and it doesn't happen straight away. And like I say, you, you know, you put pressure on yourself to, 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 to make it work. And, you know, you've got all these fans watching and you want to, you want to show what you can do from the start. But I think the key in that situation is not to put pressure on yourself because, you know, the first four, had I not have scored in the first four or five games or, or something like that, you know, I played another 200 or whatever it is, you know, it, when you look back on it in that kind of scale, it's, it's such a small fraction of, of, of your your sort of playing career with that, that club. It, it's not relevant, but at the time it seems huge, you know, to, to settle in and also to, to get that relationship with the lads where they have the confidence that you're going to do what you're there to do. You know, you're not going to miss chances. You, you know, you're going to assist, um, you know, uh, opportunities and things like that. So it just helps all around and, and helps you settle the nerves. Um, but personally, I'll try not to put too much pressure on myself in any situation anyway and just just sort of um, play the game that's in front of you. But yeah, I've seen it before with, with, with people and sometimes as well with, with having so many people come in to watch and stuff like that, sometimes the pressure can be can be there on people, can't it? But yeah, I managed to score early, didn't I? And uh, certainly, um, I, knew, I knew a few people anyway, but it, it, it builds those relationships when you're doing what you're there to do as well. I think one other thing just on top of that is also it's your work rate as well in games you know when you come on or you're playing you're going to put a shift in and you're going to even if it's not going for you in a game you're going to still close down and do everything which Pixie asks you to do yeah which i think yeah. probably also helps in terms of the fans and there's not always necessarily that pressure to score obviously it's always going to be there but yeah. obviously if people are seeing obviously your player is putting in 110 percent on the pitch it gives you that bit more um, um respite when you do go for those spells where you aren't necessarily scoring yeah, without a doubt, it's um, and I, I always, you know, I always sort of people say, don't they, that um, you know, strikers will go through spells of scoring and not scoring, but the the key in those periods where you're not scoring is just to keep doing the right things, keep on working out, keep getting in those positions. You know, they say if you if you're missing them, if you're missing the opportunities, at least you're getting the opportunities. You're in the right place. It's when the opportunities stop that that the problems occur. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I, I just, that's part of my game. I just try, I, it doesn't come consciously. I don't think to myself, oh, I've got to work as hard as I can. It just, it's just naturally, you know, that, that kind of schoolboy wanting to play football, I suppose, and wanting to do do the best that you can. That's, that's That kind of comes out of me, I guess. Tom, you've obviously been a fantastic striker for the club. Uh, 98 goals in a diamond shirt. Uh, AFC's all-time leading scorer. Uh, you're getting close to that century of goals now. Do you ever think much about it? I suppose you're often told about it. Yeah, people people have been bringing it up since I was on about seventy, I think, trying to uh, sort of say we're getting there, we're getting there. This I, I was, you know, obviously this this last couple of seasons has has just been a nightmare, hasn't it, in terms of what's happened. So I was I would have hoped that I would have been there by now. Um, but it is what it is, you know. Like like you say, I'm just I'm just even even like assisting assisting goals and just being there and being involved and and I know the goals will come. 
and and I said again, like I don't try and put too much pressure on myself, but like you say, every time when I'm around the ground, you know, someone will bring it up. All the lads in the changing room when we're going out, they sort of say, "Oh, 98 today, 99 today, or whatever." So um, it's never not in my mind, but it's not at the forefront while I'm playing, you know. Looking back at uh, some of the goals that you've scored, do you have a favourite one in particular? Perhaps because of the quality of the goal or the occasion. Um, I thought in my this, I don't really. I'll be honest, I don't really remember two of them, too many of them. Um, I don't, some 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 people that that I speak to, like you know, remember every goal and who passed it to them and where they were and that kind of thing. I'm more of a kind of. I'm in that position and I, I, I don't know, you kind of put it out of your head and you just try and try and get a strike away or whatever. So I don't sort of, sort of remember too many. I, I think the one the one I remember most was the easiest goal. I scored two, I think it was a couple of years ago. It might have been our first first um, season um, in, this, in the Prem and we played at home against Tamworth, I think it was. And we drew two all, I think, and I scored two. Scored them both, and I think we might have scored. I think I scored the, the second one right near the end, and we're taking a barrage of of abuse during that game. I'll be honest, and they were all over us for quite a period. And um, I think a cross might have come in, and the goalkeeper spilled it and just knocked it into an open, an empty net. And I just remember that kind of euphoria of, oh my god, how have we got away? <laughs> how have we got away with this result here? Um, that one always sticks in my mind, but it's the that was the easiest goal I've probably ever scored. But it was the the scoring in the last minute. They were the biggest, probably the biggest team in that league that we just stepped up into. Um, I just remember, you know, that that's one of the ones that sort of sticks in my mind. Um, I've definitely scored better ones than that, but that's probably the one that that, that sticks in there. To be honest, interesting you should mention that one because we were having a little bit of a kind of a debrief yesterday about some questions that we were going to ask you, and we were thinking about memorable games or things that you've done that we could remember. And I, I said that game uh, yeah. because the, the first goal that you scored was a pretty good goal from memory. It, you kind of ran with it, and you were just outside the box, or maybe yeah, just in front I think of on a slight it. angle. I remember, yeah, yeah, in the bottom corner, and then the the one that you did score, as you just said, was right at the death. And um, obviously, it was a, a, the big, probably the biggest club in the league, um, and they had quite a, a decent away following. So yeah, that was probably my most memorable moment for you as well. Yeah, yeah. I always remember your goal on the uh, Concord Rangers um, back in the in the FA Cup. Uh, they were a Conference South um, side at the time, and we were a um, Step Four side. I know you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, that you've been involved in FA Cup runs before what was it like being a part of the FA Cup runs like that took us to the FA Cup fourth qualifying round that took us to the third qualifying round the season after as well it must have been great to be a part of yeah they're 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 probably I mean the, the league is always the bread and butter of of what what you're doing the, the league result is what you look at at the end of the year but the, the FA Cup run more so than any of the cups, to be honest, it, it 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 takes you away from it takes your attention away from the league for a little while, and it's an opportunity to achieve something, isn't it? I mean, we've all seen recently the the FA Cup runs that um, you know teams on the TV playing against Tottenham last week and stuff like that, you know. So that kind of fairy tale is always in the back of your head that you could get there. Um, but the runs that we've had, I remember that Concord game. I think we were three 0 up after about fifteen minutes, weren't we? And everyone was like. You know what's going, what's going on here, um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's great. And then obviously we had the um, the run where we got we had a replay, didn't we? Against was it Barwell? We had to, to was that the following year or it might have been the year before or the year after? Um, yeah, I remember Bully scored away at 
at Barwell to get a 1-1 draw and then we, we came back for the replay, didn't we? And uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's fantastic. Especially, you know, it, it gets the whole club together, doesn't it? You, you win a league game and obviously that's great, you know. But, um, you know, then you're just on to the next one and it's it's like, you know, just, just back to the, back to the, um, back to the grind kind of thing. Whereas when you're in the FA Cup, you know, you can see what's ahead of you. You can see, oh, I've got to win one more game. We've got to win two more games or whatever. Um, certainly more, it, it brings that excitement. I love it. I love it. It's almost like um, our version of European football, if you like, because you, you get to play teams you don't necessarily play against all sorts of different levels. Um, you can go away, like we went to South Shields uh, last year, where unless we were both at Step 2 in Conference North, we're highly unlikely to play each other. Mm. So I suppose it gives you an op- opportunity to test yourself against teams in, with different styles in different leagues, which you wouldn't normally play against. Yeah, definitely. You get, go to different places, you know, like that example, or like Concord. I mean, you'd never go to those places, would you? Situated where we are, you'd never play those teams unless you were in, you happen to be in the league against them. Um, or you get drawn against them, you know, in the FA Cup, you get these away away runs and, you know, a night over in Newcastle and that kind of thing. And, uh you know, it just all adds. It just all adds to the season, and that, that's that's. And we've we've had. That's probably the biggest disappointment, I would say, in in terms of we've not had enough of those um, runs in the time that I've been there. We've had one or two disappointing, you know, FA Cup runs where we've gone out early, and and um, it does take a shine off things because you know you you know what could have been, you know that excitement that you could have had, um, and you feel like you've let yourself down a little bit. That you, you know you've not not got further in in these tournaments, but. Um, Hey, that's that's FA Cup football, isn't it? You can't you can't have those kind of runs every year, I suppose. Just um, going back to the um, step to the um, time we actually got promoted from step four, um, there was it looked like there was an early part in that season where you went and played for like Chenix or something um, on a Tuesday night. Was that just to gain a bit of fitness and a bit of form and that and income? Uh, yeah. After that, you seem to just not look back after that. I think I've been I think I've been injured, hadn't I? And um... I think that I don't remember who it was, but I remember whoever was playing up front for a certain time was was playing really well, and we were winning games and stuff. And um, yeah, Peaksy and Lammy just said, "Look, I'd, I'd just come back and I was available again." They, I think it had been about a month or six weeks or something, and they just said, "Look, go there, you know, play a few games so that when you come back in, you'll be match fit effectively." Um, and I only played. I only played one game. I think it was on a Saturday. I played one game. I, I scored a couple. It was Chenitz against Silby, I think. At Silby. So um, scored a couple there. And then Tuesday night we had a game, and I came back in and I started that game, and that was it. I never. That option was never available again. So, um, but yeah, sometimes, sometimes like that, you just have to take a little little step, don't you, just to get that that fitness. If I'd have come straight into the Russian team, I'd have been doing myself no justice because I hadn't played for so long. I'd need a few games to, to get back into the running again. So um, sometimes you have to do that kind of thing. You've seen a lot of players come and go. Obviously, you've been at the club for some time now. A lot of players, a lot of strike partners. Is there a particular strike partner that you enjoyed playing with? I know you mentioned Jason Turner earlier. And also, is there any? Is there a particular player that we've had over the course of the last few years that really stood out to you? Um, the... Favourite partner? I've had a few, haven't I? Christ. Um, <laughs> probably Nabil Sharif, I would say. Um, scored a lot of goals, especially in that first spell that he had with us. It wasn't quite as successful when he came back, was he? But um, 
especially that first spell. Um, I think we again we complemented each other quite well. Um, he put quite a few goals on for me. He 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 knew where I was going to run and vice versa. I knew what he was going to do. Gave me the opportunity to to do our own thing, and we we both scored quite a lot of goals together. And uh, I've had a few strike partners where I'm thinking, you know, can you move your ass? Um, to put it politely, and uh, I never thought that with Nabil. Not not. Um, not a lot. No, I, I never thought that about him. It wasn't his game, maybe to, to be flying about all over the pitch, but his his work rate was always there. And I think in a partnership, you have to have that kind of respect for each other. I think where you know you're mutually doing doing it as as much as each other. But um, yeah, he he's probably. I'm trying to think through everybody. He's probably the the partner I would say had the most success with. What was the second part of that question? Is there any other players generally, not just strike partners, but players yeah. that, we've had that you thought yeah. were particularly good over the years? Um, have there been? Wow, there have been a lot. You sound like you're struggling, Tom. <laughs> no, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of specifics because I could probably reel off a good few now. Um, I was pleased when Luke came back. Yeah. Obviously, we lost him for for quite a while, didn't we? Um, and that promotion season, him and Joel playing on either flank were, were superb. But ton, laid tons of goals on for me in that season. So I was pleased for him to come back. Um, I think uh, Sam Brown, I would say, was... Um, I think we missed him quite a bit since he, since he left this season. He, he, I, I really rate him. I think he's fantastic. A really nice lad as well. Um, he's probably up there. Um, and Deck as well, who was... Um, had a wand of a left foot. Is that Declan um, Rogers? Yeah, Declan Rogers, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, he had a couple of spells of us again, didn't he? And um, wasn't quite as successful as I think he could have been. I'm not going to say give him more opportunities. He had plenty of opportunities. It just didn't work out, did it? That was just the way it was. Um, but there were occasions and a couple of the goals he scored, but that, that left foot were just wonder goals. Um, but yeah, you know, we've had lots of, um, when you think about it, we've had lots of good players you know, come and go. Um, yeah, probably those three guys would stand out as being the, the, the best ones that we don't like. Well, Luke, obviously, we've got back now, but Brownie and Deck are probably the couple that I would snap back up now if, if I could in their prime. You just mentioned Sam Brown there, which kind of leads me on to a, another question. I heard Jurgen Klopp say this week that uh, James Milner, Jordan Henderson, guys like that, are almost kind of managers in the dressing room kind of doing his job for him. You're part of a, a group of maybe three or four that would have included Sam Brown until the summer that have been here a while. Do you have any extra kind of responsibilities around the place? Um, anything that Pixie asks of you as a result of the fact that you're part of that core group that have been here a while? Not consciously, I would say. He's not sort of come and said, look, I want you to take on this role of responsibility or I want you to do this in particular or anything. But, um, you know, little things like occasions where messages need to be passed to the lads or whatever, he'll ask me or Bully to do it or... Um, you know, put things in our group chat about what's happening with training, this, that, the other. Um, I think just because you've been there for that long and you kind of have that respect from the lads, they they kind of know that that you're um, you're going to be able to pass those messages on and stuff like that. Not really anything more than that. I mean, bully Liam probably does being being captain as well. Um, probably has different things, but um, I think I think just as a as a my nature just being the person that I am and being there as long as I have been, I, I kind of 
you know, I'm more than happy to to do things like that when you know, as and when they ask me particular different things or opinions or whatever about 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 things. But um, yeah, Bully's probably got. I'll probably get away with those responsibilities. Bully probably has those as captain. I would imagine. Tom, you mentioned in your interview um, after the Leiston game a few months ago that you've been playing a slightly deeper role this season. Um, can you tell us more about that role and how that came about? Is that a conversation that you had with Peaksy in the summer? No, not really. I think it's just a result of um, of the formation that we were playing. We were, we were sort of playing a 4-2-3-1, if, if you like. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, sort of, I think I started the season... Um, as the number nine up up top on on my own uh, um, as such, and um, and then obviously Chris Ray came in, didn't he, and scored those those four goals in in the first half or whatever it was, and um, and did really well. And then I, you know I was playing in that that sort of number ten role, not that I call myself a number ten, but in that role for that game, um, and uh, it just sort of stuck really because. Uh, I suppose you can do both. I can I can get around the centre forward as well, and and still do my my sort of role of of, of winning headers and and chasing chasing in behind and, and things like that. Um, but also, I you know I'm obviously quite quite fit and can get around um, to to help out in midfield and sit in there to give an extra man as well when needed. Um, yeah, it was it was never like a. I never had a conversation with Peter to say I'm going to try and mould you into this this particular player, um, and I don't know if it will if it will if it will last. Um, I think it's just a result of the the formation and the players that we've got available, and um, uh, a formation that was that was sort of quite successful. We were scoring quite a few goals in it, yeah. When the first lockdown uh, came about, it obviously ended the season, and I think we ended up going five months without a game between that last game at Banbury and that first running with Desborough. As players, how did you manage to keep your fitness throughout that period? Did the club set you a programme to follow, or did you guys take more of an onus on it yourselves? How did that work? Um, we didn't have a programme to follow at the end of that season because the season was just sort of finished, wasn't it? It, it was It was almost as if, you know, it was like a um, sort of the off-season was just extended, really, wasn't it? Um, I, I'm quite good anyway. I, I don't have... I wouldn't say I have particularly good levels of like natural fitness. I always have to try and keep myself running like a couple of times a week. So, you know, when the season finishes, I'll be running two or three times a week until pre-season starts anyway to try and keep that level up. Otherwise, it'll be too, I'll, I'll fall too low that I'll never get it back in pre-season. Um, I've got sort of home, you know, gym equipment at home as well. So the, the lockdown didn't affect me too much. I, did, I, I was still able to, to use my gym equipment at home and go road running and stuff like that. So um, that's how I tend to keep myself fit anyway. Um, the lockdown in this this season, in November, we, we, we did have a training programme from Champs. We had, um, you know, sort of um, 10K, a couple of 10K runs and particular times we had to hit and uh, 5K runs the following week and stuff like that because obviously we thought the season was going to, just be suspended for a month the idea was we'd go back into it in December so everybody to keep up their fitness we had we had that level and that was sort of kept the 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 um times were put in the group and we kept kept a little tally chart and stuff like that um to to keep everybody's fitness up that that has dropped 
somewhat now just because there is no goal there is no end game if you like you can't train towards something um so now the onus is sort of back on the players like it would be before you know in the off season before a pre-season just to um just to keep yourself yourself as fit as you can really um when you have no start date i mean you've got nothing to work to you can't try and build up to a certain you know if you start in pre-season you know you've got that six weeks until you go into the first game that's the target be as fit as you can then I mean, we could be training for eight months now before you, before we had another, before we had another league game. So it's difficult to to put a plan in to 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 be able to train for that long. Do you know what I mean? It's it, it would be an impossible task. You'd just be doing the same things over and over again. So I think the onus is just back on the players certainly now. But like I say, I I, I tend to tend to do quite a lot of running in my own time anyway. I hate it every second of it. But I have to do, have to do it. Otherwise, otherwise I worry I won't be able to get up to those levels that I need to be at when I'm when I'm playing. So I, I kind of don't let myself drop to a level where where I'd lose that confidence to get it back. Just picking up on what you said about with Champs and that. Obviously, Paul Lamb was with us for quite a while, and then he left, and then Champs came. How different have you found working under both of them, and what things have you found which are similar? Um, similarities. I think they both. They both um, demand absolutely 100%. If that, if that, I suppose everyone demands that, but they both have a big ethic on on you know you work great and and putting it in for the team, putting a shift in, doing everything you can and time and things like that. I think they're very similar in that aspect. In that training will also be at a high tempo. Um, it was always at a high tempo with Lammy. Um, I think it probably went even up another notch when when Neil came in as well. Um, but they're very similar in that respect. I think I think their approach in terms of um, how they want to play is probably slightly slightly different. We've we've sort of um, tested a few different formations, I think, since Neil's come in and things like that. Um, yeah, they've got similarities and differences. I think I think they know each other as well. So uh, uh, you know, they're both sort of um, not from around Northampton, so they're both from from a um, sort of. Um, have a similar outlook, I would imagine, in that sense. Been in in similar circles and things. Um, but yeah, it, it's not too much as 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 changed massively. Um, like I say, the intensity of training is is always been high anyway. Um, but I was sad to see Paul leave. He was like I touched on earlier. He was fantastic for me in in um, helping me develop and teaching me as a player I probably had him for he was a coach at Banbury as well so I, I, I sort of knew him from there um and then he sort of you know he 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 would do sort of one-on-one things with me in training and stuff like that on, on finishing on a few occasions and things like that and I got along really well with him personally as well um so he he was probably the biggest influence in terms of me developing throughout the years I would say um, so I was really sad to see him leave. But I, I, Champs was um, a coach at uh, Daventry when I was there before I joined Rushton. So obviously I knew him as well. And um, yeah, you know, and we, we get along well as, as well. So um, it's been quite a seamless sort of changeover for me personally. It's interesting just talking about that Daventry connection because how many players we've actually had who were in that Chesterfield um, run to the first round who've actually come and played for us in subsequent years. 
Mm. Just like, like, like Ross Alter, yourself, Liam, and there's probably more I can't even think of. Maybe. Yeah, well, going back to when I first, you know, in those early days, Adam Confu was was there, um, Joe Henderson was there. Um, yeah, there has been quite a few. I, I mean, that's um, that's sort of local football, isn't it? I think, and we we were we were a good side at Daventry as well. We've good players, and obviously, you know, Rushton being a good a good club and a good setup attracts then good players you know, to, to come over. Um, and once there's a few people there that, that, you know, you know that you've played with before, um, you know, people are then more encouraged to come over, if you like, aren't they? If they know they've got friends there and people that they know. So, yeah, it, it's good. That, that was a good group of players at Daventry, so it's not a bad thing trying to, trying to take a few of their players. It's helped. Definitely. Just looking ahead, actually, um, obviously, hopefully you can, you can play as long as you possibly can, which... But are there any things you want to do after football? Are you looking to get into coaching or things like that or management eventually? Um, management, I don't know about... Uh, well, I'll say that this is all just an opinion now. It'll probably change when I finish and I'll be, I'll be kicking around at home with nothing to do and I can't wait to get back out again. But um, I, I, I think in my head now, I prefer a coaching role to a management role. The kind of, you know, improving players and things like that... Um, you know, working on things, working on tactics, working on, um, you know, individual um, styles and techniques and things like that, I think is more up my street rather than the management side of, you know, having to man-manage and, and motivate and things like that. I think because I'm quite a self-motivated person, I don't need somebody to, you know, try and G me up all the time. Um, I think that side of it I might find more difficult, if that makes sense, to, you know, I'd be thinking, you know, why aren't you? Why haven't you got my mindset kind of thing? Whereas I think as a coach, you can you can you can impose isn't the right word, but you know put your beliefs and and how you want to play on the players and and try and improve them. I think that's that would be more of my opinion right now. Um, I've already done my level one coaching um, badge, so that's in the bank. I, I sort of help out just locally in the village, just doing. Um, the um, the young kids when I when I when I get the opportunity to well, they do it on a Saturday morning so it, it has to coincide with obviously our football if we're playing an away game a long way away we'll be leaving early so I won't be able to do it but um, sort of help out there when I can that sort of got me just just gets my foot in the door a little bit so when I finish I'll probably go on to do the level two coach and then just see where it goes really um, and I suppose whether when I finish playing football whatever else I choose to do in life in general whether that still allows me the time to be able to be involved as much as obviously you have to be as a player. I suppose that we'll, we'll, we'll see when, when that finally happens, I suppose. Linked to uh, Scott's question, Tom, um, what's your hopes and aims for um, the future with Diamonds? How far do you think the club can go? I know it's a personal viewpoint, but um, what do you think about how far the club can go? Oh, well, I, th- I certainly think, I certainly think the club can continue to go on. Um, from where it is now, I, I mean, you also have to be realistic, I suppose, and and realise that what happened before in the previous club was an overstretch, wasn't it? Basically, it, it was it was something that you'd have to be very very careful if you were to try and you know achieve that that sort of level again. But I certainly think you know we're at Southern League Prem. I certainly think a Conference North or South level club we could be. Um, sort of maintain um, 
steadily in the coming years. I think um, a lot a lot will depend on the facilities. There's obviously the talk about the the, the new ground, isn't there, and, and things like that. And I think a lot will depend on that. When you've got the ability to create your own finances, you know, if you've got a 4G pitch or whatever that you can rent out, if you've got a bar that you can take the the money from regularly and and things like that, um, and being able to base the team at the ground as opposed to, you know, youth teams and stuff training and playing wherever they can, dotted around Northampton and Rushton and stuff like that. Um, I think that will be a big big plus that will increase the finances I think and it will also increase the buzz around around the town if there's a new facility and um, you know people see that progress that's moving in the right direction so um, that's probably a few years away I mean the, the, I know that the club are working on it all the time aren't they um, but I think that might be the step where perhaps um, the club can can move on up to that level and become a, a steady maybe conference north or south side um, whether I'll still be playing in those few years is is another matter. Um, <laughs> time might have got the better of me then, I think. But um, I certainly love to love to see it, and I think that's the aspirations everybody has got, isn't it, around the club? But it's the key is not to do it too soon. I think not to put not to put the the club under any pressure, any unnecessary pressure that that if you were unsuccessful could have detrimental effects. If that makes sense. Obviously, you'll be here for years, won't you, Tom? Because you're part of the furniture of the club now. It kind of brings me on to another question that I was going to ask. Has there ever, ever been any kind of serious offers made to you on the table to, to leave the club? And how often do those kind of things pop up for a player? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have um, been opportunities to, to leave. Uh, I mean... There's probably only one that I've ever thought seriously about, which was a local, more local team to me. Um, but when I say thought seriously about it, it was a case of have a conversation with my wife and just say, you know, do you want me at home more? And she said, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, OK, I'll stay where I am then. Um, but yeah, opportunity. I mean, other like us, other teams are always looking at improving. They're always looking to, to bring to bring players in and, and we're a successful team and teams will always be looking at our players. It's inevitable. Um, if sometimes frustrates me, I'll be honest, when, you know, you see, see players leave and I understand it when they leave for a better standard of football or they leave for a reason. Um, you know, they've got a legitimate reason that they want, they want to go somewhere for improvement. When it's, um, when it can be a financial decision, or something like that, it frustrates me because, you know, I have, I have had the opportunity in, in that sense, but it wouldn't be the right footballing move. So for me, it's not personally um, what I play for. Just by a sim of your sort of future ambitions, Tom, is that partly why, you know, you want to get into coaching as opposed to management? Because, you know, you, you're, you're more interested in, you know, the tactical side of things, the development side of players, as opposed to the more what goes on off the pitch stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't. That's also perhaps comes like I was talking about earlier from me just playing football, getting to where I am now, just because I enjoy it. So yeah. I'd, I'd be I'd be playing now with my pals in the park on a Saturday afternoon anyway, paying my five pound subs to to play or whatever, and you know having a few beers afterwards. Um, so that that kind of that kind of attitude. That's why I, I can find it sometimes. 
frustrating dealing with people who perhaps haven't got the same attitude as me because I don't understand. It's, it's purely just because I don't understand it or I don't, I don't see that, that approach. Of course, I understand if, if people play football for other reasons, they, they, might, they might need you know, the, the finances to, or whatever. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? They, they might need that. That's people's own preference. But it's not why I play. Um, and yeah, that that's definitely why I prefer at the moment to be more sort of coaching based. I think because that's that's what I that's what I enjoy. That bit off the pitch or or dealing with players on the phone who might be unhappy or stuff like that that, that managers have to do that Pixie would have to do. That's not. I don't know if that's me. It might be in a few years, but at the moment, I I I, I think I just find it too frustrating. And I'd want to be getting down to what happens on a training pitch as opposed to dealing with those things that take your attention off it. What's your normal job? What, what job do you do nine to five, Monday to Friday? I um, work in the electrical industry. So I'd sort of do servicing of electrical um, testing equipment and things like that that electricians might use. I do sort of calibration and repair and servicing of those kind of instruments. Keeps me busy. So uh, the the people that you work for, assuming you don't work for yourself, are they quite uh, willing to let you kind of work the hours that you need to work around your football? Yeah, it's um, to be fair. So it's only a really it's only a small business. There's there's the owner of the business and myself. So um, and and he's quite hands off. He he lets me just um, sort of run things as I need to do. Um, so I can sort of you know arrange my work day around it. You know, if, for example, if we've got an away game and I have to be out by two o'clock, I, my office is in Banbury. So if I, even just to get over to Rushton on a Tuesday night for a home game, I have to leave work early. Um, you know, I have to be left by about half four to get back, get my kit, get something to eat, all that sort of stuff before I go. So, um, yeah, it's quite easy to for me to be able to go into the office, at, even if I was going in at six o'clock in the morning so that I could be out for three or something like that. Yeah, it's easy enough to work around. Um and I, I sort of book the book my own work that I do, so I can, as long as I know the fixtures and things, I can work things around it. It's quite it's quite straightforward for me, luckily. Um, obviously, it looks like the season might be ending again. There's kind of strong talk that there's going to be null and void again. Um, I've seen a few kind of ideas on Twitter going around of what could be done, kind of an, an amalgamation of the two seasons, which maybe doesn't seem fair, or perhaps pausing the season now indefinitely and carrying it on again. Um, from your perspective, how, how do you think things should play out from here? It's really difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, you, you have to maintain the integrity of the competition, I think. So if, if you, if you mould together sort of last season and this season, without ever knowing that that was what was going to happen. I think that's quite, I don't know how I stand. I, I'm not sure I'd agree with that because, you know, unless it's planned, unless it's agreed beforehand, for example, if they were going to extend the season now and say, look, we'll include next season in, take these fixtures out and extend it to make it a 2021-22 season. You're now doing that and everybody's involved in that situation. If, if you, if you sort of backdate it and go, right, the last couple of seasons we're going to join together and you'll go up and you'll go down or whatever. The, the, the clubs weren't aware of that, the turnover of players and things like that. I don't, I don't know where the integrity of the competition stands with that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure I'd go down that route. Um, in terms of, I can see method in, you know, extending the season and carrying on with it next season. 
especially if um, we might struggle to get all the games in next season. It might take the pressure off a little bit of of, of next season to to be able to fulfil all the fixtures. If, for example, we were to have another lockdown later on in the year or however it works. Um, but like I say, there's so many you know, turnover of players and things like that and, and club finances that they've got to think about and, and, and things like that. I mean, if it were me and I were making the decision, I think I would probably just knock it on the head, null and void it and start again fresh the following year, personally. Um, looking at the, the sort of situation with the vaccine and the progress they're making with that, looks like they're going to have everybody done by by the late spring early summer doesn't it everybody vaccinated so you would hope then that people could be back in the grounds and, and we shouldn't have any more lockdowns that's the plan um i think that would uh, that would flow better however like i say i can see the i can see the the sort of um the process of adding it into next season i would be okay with that i think if you back if you if you put this season and last season together to make a group of fixtures and promote people and relegate people from that I, I'm not sure if that. I'm not sure how I would if I would agree with that to be honest, because nobody was aware that that was what was going to happen. And it seems like you're kind of just trying to push something for the sake of a promotion and relegation. That I don't know if that's the right way to go. Personally, what do you guys think on that? Just out of interest, and I'm not the one asking the questions, but <laughs> <laughs> I think the difficulty with the situation is. At what point do um obviously if, say we you know say we not avoid this season just hypothetically and the National League North and South finishes uh, at what point do you draw the line with you know who's getting relegated and then because you, you can't say relegate for the National League North and South and then have no one go up from the divisions below it becomes a bit of a mess then and then you start seeing teams with leagues with X amount of teams and then there's some leagues that haven't got enough teams and that's where it all gets a bit confusing yeah, for me. Yeah. I think that is the point, isn't it? It is a total mess with the promotions and relegations. Um, I think, like I kind of said to you, Tom, I, I'd probably uh, end the season indefinitely now and resume it. We, I think we've only played about six league games, maybe seven. Yeah. Um, that seems like the fairest way to do it. But if, if the Conference North, the Conference South are continuing to play, will inevitably finish their season way before us. What do you do with those clubs? And then what do you do with the clubs that finish at the top of our league? What are we aiming for? Um, it, I, I really don't know. I don't envy the guys that are having to sort that out <laughs> at all, to be honest. I don't know what they're going to do. Oh, yeah, I just, I just totally agree. Yeah, what Alex and Joseph and what you're saying, Tom, I think it's going to be logistical night and there's try and figure it out, isn't it? And try and, um, you know find a solution that that suits everybody there's going to be maybe a loser in some way isn't there i think so i think personally to to null, null and void it um carry on with the vaccination program and just get it back up and running hopefully um you know football maybe in september october depending on what happens in the in the coming months as well um and then and then take it from there but it's just so difficult it's a minefield to try and work out isn't it and see what would be best for you know for clubs and for players and for everybody involved really I think that's the thing. There's winners and losers whichever way you go. There is no right answer and nobody will agree all the way. But I think if to be decisive is the, the best thing. Like What I don't want is for this to run on until April and then somebody makes a decision then. I would rather they said now, look, this is what's going to happen. We're doing it this way. 
if you look back in a year's time and it perhaps wasn't the best call, I don't mind that because someone's been decisive and they've said, this is what we're going to do. To string people on, not string people on, but you know, if they extend it and say, oh, we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see, or, or put off making a decision, I would rather somebody, whoever that decision maker is, just, just stand up and say, look, this is what we're going to do. This is the way we're going to go. Everybody knows early and they, everybody works and prepares for that eventuality. That's what I think would be best. I suppose one thing actually on just on the back of that is um for our, for us it won't affect us which way they go on it we can go they can go points per game you know extend the season whatever we're pretty much going to be where we are currently as you probably can understand why teams at the top and teams at the bottom might have that bit more of a stake and interest in the outcome of um you know whatever decision the um the league and the fa actually make yeah definitely they'd like yeah there will be winners and there will be losers and if you make one decision it will be good for someone and bad for another and and, and, you know, people will be, will feel they have been unfairly treated in one way or another. Perhaps looking at, you know, either finishing our season and starting again next season or pausing our season and continuing it next season with the same group of teams. I mean, I don't think anybody for this season can say we're good enough we, or, or we've done enough to go up. Like you say, we've only played seven or eight games. And likewise, teams can't, if someone was at the bottom, they could say, well, I've got three quarters of a season to get out of it. Um, so, it, um, you know, that would be harsh. Certainly that would be harsh. If, if they promoted and relegated based on this season's results alone to try and fit in with the leagues above, I think would be very unfair on, on some teams. Definitely. I was just thinking, actually, because we were talking in another podcast about Hennesford being in a false position where they are in the league. And I think they'd get relegated for you based on the current um, league yeah. table as it currently stands. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, scenarios like that. And you'd be incredibly surprised if they were still there, if we'd have seen a season out. Um, you know, there's just not been enough. I mean, isn't it like three, 75% or 80% of the season and... If you've got that done or somewhere around there, then you can work out points per game or something like that. I think that's fair because you've got the majority of the season done. If something's not changed by then, you've given it a good chance. But if we've got 10, 15% of the season or whatever it is done, it's just not long enough to to be able to do anything too major like that, I don't think. Awesome. Well, Tom, thanks again for, for coming on. And I'm sure when the time is right, we'll see you back at Hayden Road. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So then, that was our conversation with Tom Lorraine, and I have to say, for for the first guest, he set the bar very, very high. That was an excellent podcast, I thought. What did you guys all think? Definitely, I thought it was very, very interesting. Um, certainly, obviously, going through all the, the memories, actually, of um, him actually playing for the club. It's been quite interesting, actually, reliving some of those um, certain things that I'd forgotten, actually, some of those little quick bits, which people might not have been aware of as well. And as a club as a whole as well um yeah it was great to to get his thoughts and and story and as you said as you said joseph um really set the bar high with that interview really enjoyed that you obviously get to know a player don't you through kind of afc rd tv and post-match interviews and obviously he's done a few down the years but you get to know even more about the, the 
player or the people when you kind of asking those questions that he doesn't ordinarily get asked. I think that's the fascinating uh, thing with it, with the interview that we were just done there. It was really interesting. Definitely. Well, that's going to be that for episode three of the Russian and Ranting podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did recording it. Don't forget, you can check out all of our social feeds. Uh, we've got a Twitter feed at Russian and Ranting. I believe it is. Is, is that right, Scott? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, it's obviously it's a bit quiet at the moment, but hopefully now we start, we're doing more and more podcasts. Um, it should get a bit more busier now. Yeah, and we've also got an Instagram feed at Russian and Ranting Podcast. And or like Scott said about the Twitter feed, that's a bit quiet at the moment. But definitely as the podcasts keep coming, then we'll get the content going on there as well. Obviously, there's no football games to be had at the moment at this level, but we've got you covered here on the Russian and Ranting Podcast, available on all of your favourite podcast platforms thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you all very very soon take care